0: In just a few short weeks, Anthology Together is bringing you the best of ed tech at the Walt Disney World Swan and Dolphin Resort in Orlando, Florida. Join the global education community to hear about what's next in the future of learning, get a first-hand look at the latest innovations, and discover new insights to help both your institution and students achieve their goals. The future of learning is here, and there's no better place to see it than at Anthology Together 2022. The event kicks off on July 11th, So register today at www.anthology.com slash together. The Alliance for Innovation and Transformation is an alliance of pacesetters, forward-thinking higher education CEOs committed to leading by example to show other higher education institutions how to innovate and transform their organizations in the face of unprecedented challenge and change. They offer learning, development, and networking opportunities focused on customer-driven value, innovation, transformation skills and techniques and approaches to help colleges and other organizations achieve the long-term sustainability necessary for their survival. afithighered.com is where you can check them out. highered.com. Welcome back everybody. It's your time to add up on the Ed Up Experience podcast where you know what we do, we make education your business. Dr. Joe Salustio, back with you again. I'm excited to announce um, that Elvin and I are headed back to Anthology Together 2022, AT22, in uh, Orlando, Florida for the Anthology User Conference. It's massive last year when we went, basically during COVID. This year, it's going to be absolutely insane of course, we'll be broadcasting live and recording people um, who are using the anthology technology, higher ed leaders who will be there. Uh, last year, we put out like 17 episodes in like a day and a half. So we were busy. There was a line and we're going to do our best to get as many folks and as many voices on this podcast as humanly possible. As much as my voice will carry me and Elvin's production skills, we'll carry him um, and we'll see what we can do to, to give you uh, the what's happening at the Anthology User Conference AT22 coming up here in July. With me today, I have a first-time guest um, and she is doing some amazing work in colleges and universities with, uh, with strategy and development in all of these areas for employees that are so important as the battle for talent continues to rage on. Here she is, ladies and gentlemen, her name is Carrie Granger, and she's CEO of Granger Network. Carrie, what is up?
1: Joe, oh my God, thank you. That was like a huge applause. I thought it was just you on the other end, but it sounds it, what, like it, there's like a couple hundred.
0: Yeah, no, there's like 50 people in my office right now. <laughs> Guys, settle down. <laughs> settle down. All right, all right, enough of that. Carrie, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Mm-hmm. What's going on? And oh, my uh, goodness. And, you know, let, let's just chat. Yeah, I'm so
1: happy to be here. This has been a bit of a time coming. I'm, uh, I'm enjoying some rainy weather in Toronto. It's not where I live. I live in Denver, Colorado. And, you live in Denver? Uh, I do live in Denver.
0: Okay, so wait a minute. So I've got to stop you right now. I mm. literally, my in-laws live in Denver. I have been in Denver the last three weeks and I'm like, we could have done this in person. Can you imagine?
1: It, we we could have, but remember I'm in Toronto.
0: You're in Toronto right now. But I'm in live
1: Toronto in right now. I live in Denver.
0: Okay. Well, I yep. guess then we wouldn't have done it in person.
1: We wouldn't have. But next time you go, we can have coffee.
0: All right. That's fine. So, Carrie, level level set for us. Talk about the Granger Network. Talk about what you focus on. What your organization does.
1: Yeah. Great. So, the Granger Network is a strategic partner for CEOs, presidents, uh, chancellors. Um, executive teams really. Yeah, so we work across industries, although we do quite a bit of work in higher education and we're a strategic partner for sustaining and elevating performance during periods of significant transition. Amazing. So it, it is, thank you.
0: Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> you
1: <have> <laughs> so, you know, in, in the corporate world that might be experiencing a cycle of high growth or expansion, a merger acquisition, in a reorganization, which in higher ed, you deal with reorgs as well, dealing with a global pandemic. um, In higher ed, we often see just transitioning into a state in which you can compete today, right, with all the disruption in higher ed. And then how we do that is we work at the nexus of leadership, culture, and strategy. So what we find is many people will just bring in a leadership development uh, trainer or something like that, or a coach, uh, which we're both of those, or they might bring in culture experts, or they might bring in um, strategy consultants, right? And what we find is when they're not aligned and there's there's missing a coherency they actually can undermine each other you know so if you if you work on leadership right but you don't have a culture that can sustain the leadership development goals that you have so in other words we unleash an entrepreneurial spirit but your culture is about conformity it, it doesn't work right? Or gets, if you work, It
0: gets snuffed out, if you will. It
1: gets snuffed out, right? And then people, they just kind of get squashed and you end up worsened when you started. Yikes! Exactly. That's what we found out because I started in leadership. So we said, oh, okay, we can't just work in leadership. We've got to work on culture. So we start working on culture and that works really well, except if you're missing a strategy and perhaps you say, look, we really need to completely transform the way we do things we need to become nimble and flexible and um, and that's our strategy but our 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 culture is you know let's create family and you know it's not a, it's not an alignment right So the strategy work, the culture work and the leadership work all go together and that's why we work there during periods of significant transition. that's our work.
0: That's very important work. And, you know, you said you work uh, quite a bit in higher education, and then you are industry-spanning, as it were. Mm -hmm. How does higher ed stack up, right? This this is the question. How does Mm. higher ed stack up in our, well, let me think if I want to ask this in a positive or negative way, in our acceptance and willingness to change um, from what you've seen so far?
1: Mm. How long do we have?
0: Um, we have as long as it takes i figured it would be i figured it might go a little longer than our allotted time here as we talk about changing higher ed because you know as you yeah. know at this point you know cor- blah 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 coronavirus catalyst for change blah 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 blah, blah. um it, higher ed not typically fast um it, yeah. fast would be the opposite word of what most higher institutions experience and i say that with love to all my all of my uh, colleagues without higher ed, but we have so many different stakeholder groups, faculty, staff. We like committees and slowness and taking time. And higher ed needs to change like yesterday to both be able to compete and to you know ready the workforce for the 21st century. So where do we rank? And what do we need to do uh, from your experience in higher ed to move the ball forward?
1: Okay, great. That's That's a huge question. The right question, a great question. And I'm trying to think about the number of um, kind of rabbit holes we could go down here. So let me start big, and you you can uh, you can respond, and we'll we'll see which direction this goes. Let's
0: do it. So
1: yeah, in general, I work a lot in the military as well, and um, the conditions for the military, the conditions for higher ed, and the conditions for nonprofit, and conditions for. corporate commercial are really different. And so even how you get your funding matters. So in the corporate arena, you there's a sense of urgency and there's a little bit faster feedback on if what you're doing is working. Mm. You fire people, unfortunately, faster or you cut resources faster. So just to make it and stay profitable and stay alive in the corporate world requires a level of urgency that you don't see in the government or higher ed in general, because your funding Mm -hmm. sources are different, right? right? I don't work a lot in nonprofit. um, So, and I think those really vary. Um, I mean, everybody varies. some degree so uh also i'd be interested in terms of um private college versus you know there's just different categories so i think the conditions set higher education up in such a way that the urgency is less felt and people aren't really conditioned that way so we've we've enjoyed decades right decades of of fairly until maybe the last 10 years or so, I, you might correct me on that, um, fairly stable uh, culture, right? And, and, and the, the culture and the condition of higher ed allowed for something. It allowed for research over time. You see things like tenure yep. and shared governance. And there are certain things put in place as a solution to something that enabled certain things to thrive. Mm -hmm. But then the environment, economic, social, political, you know, this is now an exponential accelerated time, right? And so what we're seeing is that the culture, even the the capacities, um, the way in which colleges try to compete, even who they're competing with, right, has actually shifted. And we're not used to paying as much attention to the economic, political, social, technological um, changes and adapting like that. Like we're kind of watching them, but we're not used to exponential times. And so I would say slower to change. I would say that um, also uh, by protecting in a way the I might be overstating this, but the um, freedom to do research and think and be with, be with students, there, there's a high level of siloedness. that
0: Yes, if, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, so silos aren't, aren't always bad. I think breaking down silos um, doesn't ever really happen, but how do you integrate and link Silos, but the siloedness has people not always really paying attention to the bigger picture. And then you have these shared governance models in which not everybody actually has the same context in which they're making decisions. So you have certain structures that are set in place that have higher education be a bit slower. You also have, let me say one more thing, Joe. I just, I heard you take a breath. I would just want to put this.
0: I'm like, I'm breathing in because I'm like, I got like 45 questions. Questions, right?
1: So then the other thing, and, and we go to work, the work we do begins with working on the condition. We take into account the external condition that I was just speaking about. But the internal, which you can't always do much about a little bit if you're a game changer, but not really, but it's really the internal condition that you can do something about. And and we can talk a little bit about that. I think it's actually critical to helping colleges, um, universities shift. But there's a kind of shaping that's happened that has people who have grown up in higher education. um, Not everybody's the same, but there's kind of a disposition there's a way of being that you do see across the industry. And if you go industry to industry, you can see the differences in kind of a large scale. So there's a practice and a disposition of analysis. And um, and a certain way of speaking that doesn't always move things into action, right? right. Um batting around ideas, debate, Debate is a huge part of this culture, right? And so those things tend to slow it down as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Gosh, it's like you're describing half my career um, mm-hmm. in in higher ed because I, I f- I've felt like so much of the competitors within higher ed, um, have been ourselves, internal competition, shared governance committees. It's like, you're always competing against what you hope the outcome, you hope everybody will get to an outcome, but you've got to compete against this time component that's slowing everything down. And, you know, it's, it's like you get, I don't know how many postures there are for people who are going through change, right? Because it's, it is about the human condition and the human transition, but, You know you kind of either accept the change that comes to you or you or you start freaking out the changes happening around you and i see that happen a lot what the heck is going on right so you get you get this oh no no what am i going to do and people then go home and they talk to their spouse about all this change and that i always call it like a a spouse killer you know when you go home Mm. people judge their work situation or their change that's happening around them by going home and talking to their spouse, and the spouse says, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're going through that. This stinks. How much that weighs on us as employees, as we have our spouse weigh in on things. And uh, uh, it's very hard to compete with yourself while you're trying to compete externally. How can you move? How can the Granger Network move institutions through? Um, I don't know if saying getting rid of, but moving quicker toward." A shared vision that helps them compete in the marketplace rather than competing internally all the time. Mm-hmm. Does that question make any sense? Oh, or if I just it th- I mean, for 10 minutes.
1: No, 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 that, that is our work. Um, you know, when you know a lot about something, to boil it down into here's the three ways it's. it's difficult when you don't know a lot about something it's very easy to make it simple um so I'm going to do my best so there's a couple things that you have brought up that's that that are critical and and there's there's some basic ways of understanding human change that I think would just support I mean for us it's just so some simple things that that um that make all the difference you'll notice at the beginning of our conversation you said what what's the Granger Network about? And I did not say organizational change. I actually said supporting being a strategic partner for organizations going through significant transition. Now, is that just semantics? Maybe it is, but the using a different word is really intentional. And if you look at um, William Bridges, William and Susan Bridges' work on managing transitions, I think everybody should read that book. So change and transitions are two different things and this is the critical difference. So now we're speaking primarily about the culture piece of leadership culture strategy.
0: Okay, let me let me get everybody ready to listen. Attention. Okay. Yeah.
1: Good. <laughs> so good. So change and transition are not the same thing. Change is about the circumstances changing, new strategy. New IT, new vision, new structure, um, new initiative. It's what is change. Usually it's a start. We say, okay, you guys, we're going to make this change. Here's the plan. And now we're going to go execute the plan. Now, what you talked about is as soon as you say that, people freak out. Why? Because of the human psychological transition that is being thrust upon them. It's not just, oh, let's have a new IT system that's gonna bring us into the you know 21st century. This is a great idea. Why don't people get on board? Because there's things at threat. What's at threat are things that are fundamental to them, like being successful,
0: mm-hmm.
1: belonging, being known, home, culture. Um,
0: What about ownership and control? Ownership and
1: control. Yeah. Did you just, I mean, I think my whole identity is about identity. It's really about two fundamental things, identity and reality. Did you just shift my reality? Did you just shift my identity and part of reality is relationships? Did you just shift my relationships? So we worked with one college in which it was really, you know, on paper, a logical thing to do to move this one leadership position that was shared among senior faculty every three years. I think it was like an, uh, a, um, I, I don't want to get the wrong thing, but it was it yep. was a departmental kind of lead. like a
0: funded position, kind of?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and they moved it to a, a consistent administrative position that was not a faculty member. Okay, well, it made sense on one hand you know there's longevity and then you're not holding your peers accountable and you know there there is it, it was a solution to one set of things right but what they didn't account for is this position was very important to faculty mm-hmm. the fact that they had faculty in that role meant the faculty felt like their cares were in mind right and so what while change is about the the um, processes the systems things like that transition is about the human psychological process in coming to terms with the change and most of us haven't been educated on how to deal with the human psychological transition is about context <laughs> what was that what was that was that like that's stomach problem?
0: that's like my mindfulness gong you know of uh, self-awareness
1: right Okay. Okay. I I get the gong. I get Get the gong. Yeah. So transition is about addressing fundamental human cares. Do I have a place? Am I needed? Am I going to be successful? Do I see a future for myself that addresses what's important to me? Do I, am I going to be known? How are my relationships changing? that's what the transition is about and that's where changes go wrong
0: do you think there's a lot of so if you think about what you just said you know am I needed um is the work i'm doing meaningful what happens to me if this happens there's so much trust that has to be there as your leadership communicates what that vision might look like for those changes or those transitions i'm, I'm gonna make sure i get the words right because because people have to believe that when you tell them, Hey, this thing or, or process or culture that is going to be in transition, uh, or as humans, you're going to be in transition to this new culture, you have to believe, right? And you have to trust in order to have the right mental, I don't know, mind space in order to get there. So what do leaders have to do and where do we miss the mark in Bringing people along, because that is the single hardest thing to do is to get that coalition of folks really bought in when you're making significant change or transition within an institution.
1: Yeah, there's kind of two things in that, when you asked that question brought up for me, and and I kind of I want to put a pin in both of them. Uh, one is the difference between um, maybe more of a, uh, a traditional leadership model, and the other being a stakeholder leadership model. That's one. Um, the, and I kind of want to put a pin in that to come back to, and especially as it relates to things like shared governance. Um, and then the other thing is, whereas change begins with the start, psychological transitions begin with an end. So we often just start, 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 start. We you gotta don't... say
0: that. You gotta say that one more time so that that yeah. we all hear it. Because I was like, wait a minute, what is she saying? And and then I'm like, okay, I got it. Say it one more time, if you would.
1: Yeah, I will. So change begins with a start. Let's start this new thing. Let's plan the actions and act psychological transitions, the human part of transition its not just a journey from one side of the street to another. It's a coming to terms with a new identity and new reality. The psychological transitions begin with an ending.
0: All right. So my mind is blown because I've, I mean, I've I think my doc, my doc, I think I think my doctorate degree is in organizational leadership and change. Um, I know it is, but I've never heard anybody put it quite that way before. And it, you're so right when you just distill it down to those two very simple sentences, and it can change your entire perspective and action set when you think about what you want to achieve and how you want to achieve it. Right? It's that simple statement you made could change, change everything. Everything.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So if you, so the work that, that we do and people, and you can become quite good at it. In fact, it's a core capability. I recommend you me,
0: Joe can become quite good at it. Or you're saying anybody can, because if
1: anybody can, oh, if okay. they learn it, right. And, and it's a core uh, capability it might be a reach I, for me. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, it's needed today, and it doesn't matter if you're in higher ed or anywhere else, but to be able to have a core capability of um, humans going, uh, facilitating your humans through change, right, the people who work with you, facilitating that transition is a core capability. So we use a model that, that, that begins with end, complete. We do complete, create, commit. Now, if you look at the bridges work, you know you facilitate an end. An end is about loss, losing, you know, bringing to closure, acknowledging, you know. So when we come into work, we have a framework. We call it era work, and and when it's a big change, yeah, and it's really about completing the past era. This is one. It's like one method from the principle, right? Mm-hmm. And you acknowledge. Knowledge. What got accomplished? Who did we become? Um, you know, how did we solve problems? And you really do the reflection and create an ending. And you allow yourself to notice, oh, what? And is there anything I'm losing here? You know, just like accept that something's coming to an end.
0: Mm. What
1: did we, what never got worked out? And by doing that work, which by the way, requires a certain kind of listening, that's not like problem solving, listening, we can come back to that, Mm -hmm. is really listening for completion. When somebody is emptied out in a way, but complete, tied up, when things are acknowledged, this is ending, there's space. To create something new. That's why we say complete create. Now the create side, now I'll go into stakeholder leadership for a moment. The create side, you said earlier, you know, how do you tell people here's a change and get on board? And you know that, I always say the mouth tells on the brain.
0: Hmm.
1: The mouth tells on the way the brain is looking, perceiving, thinking, right? So the way the way that and that's the question I get all the time, how do I get people on board? which by the way, speaks to a certain kind of condition in the leadership that is why shared governance sometimes doesn't work, right? But but again, I'll put a pin in that. So the stakeholder leadership is, it's not just create, it's co-create. Co-create, meaning that a stakeholder leader creates a, co-creates a future, that addresses the fundamental cares of the stakeholders. Mm -hmm. So it's not like it has to go my way, but in this future, I can see three things in this co-created future. I can see that this future addresses what's of fundamental importance to me. I'm not saying it's my solution or opinion or the way I say it has to go, but what's underneath that? What's my real care underneath that? You know, that it addresses what's fundamentally important to me. That's one. Number two, I can be recognized and make a I can make a noteworthy contribution. And be recognized for that. That's why I want to say it. I can make a noteworthy contribution to this future and be, you know, recognized for it. So this future addresses something, you know, addresses what's important to me. I see I need it. I can make a noteworthy contribution mm-hmm. to the success of this or to where we're going with this. And then the third one is that it allows me to be about something bigger than myself. Mm-hmm you know, it's an identity enhancement. It's bold, it's big. It's like, I'm, I, you know, it has me be part of something bigger. So oftentimes we'll create changes. We need to go to this new IT systems kind of bland. We don't do the work of, well, you know, how do the each of the stakeholders' fundamental cares get addressed in this future? How can they each contribute to the success of that? And then how does this support something that's bigger than themselves so that's the create now yeah, so there's complete there's create which is really co-create then there's commit and that's when we get real agreements clear agreements moving forward in action so again you know in change you just announce a change and then you go right to action this is another place that I find higher education because we're used to thinking about things, discussing things. We have a lot of committees around things. Mm. Making clear agreements, getting into action is not, I'd say, as honed as maybe some other industries. I'm saying that nicely. Very nice way. Yeah, like we're not great at that. And and in fact, one of the fundamental um uh, not calm, distinctions that we that we provide that, that make the biggest difference in higher education is just teaching the leaders the difference between language that describes which is what we're really good at you know it's opinions explanations analysis um uh debates um reflections That's, that's called a descriptive use of language then. And that's, that's really useful in the complete stage. Then there's the creative kind of language is more visionary. This is what's possible, you know, it's kind of big picture thinking, but that's still not commitment, right? But it's like, Oh, what about this? And Mm -hmm. we can, and we should, and we're going in this direction. It's more possibility, creative kind of language. And then there's commitment based language, which is. I promise to do X by Y date. Here's my proposal. I request that. I promise. I propose. And so just training people how to use I propose versus, well, you know, so-and-so, and and it doesn't work for me, which is really kind of is more descriptive use, right? So Mm -hmm. by teaching people how to speak, complete, create, commit, it begins to move. Okay, I said a ton of stuff, Joe.
0: It's no secret that there are considerable challenges facing higher education right now. The teaching and learning methods of the past are becoming obsolete, and time-worn processes have all but lost their effectiveness. No longer will the take-no-action or move-forward with incremental change mindsets sustain operations. Colleges are closing their doors at an alarming rate, and some are teetering on the edge of existence. It's time to join the Alliance, the Alliance for Innovation and Transformation better known as AFIT. Check them out at AFITHigherEd.com. That's A-F-I-T HigherEd.com. If you want to be at the forefront of technology and innovation in education, it's time to look at AFIT. Well, I'm mesmerized by the way you talk about it because I'm like way into like self-reflection right now. Hmm. And I'm like, oh, God, I should have done that better. Oh, God, I should have said that better. I'm sure there's people listening to this that are like, okay, I, I see why, you know, you think about when you you're going through and you're trying to help create transition for a team to achieve, uh, achieve some type of future state, um, how, how you get to those underlying needs and why I would guess you've been so successful in your career as you come in as a third party consultant is because not every employee may be willing to I don't know, divulge what is underneath to I don't know, the person who's making the change, for example, or to their supervisor because they're, you know, maybe there's fear there. Or maybe there's, maybe the fear of change itself is manifested in it, into somebody who's not willing to say what they feel because of their, you know, there's just concern. Fear of
1: retribution. About, What's yeah, going to yeah, happen? Re- with retaliation, my everything. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, I mean, do you just. You know, do you have clients come to you and hire it and say, look, I, I've got this, I've got that. And then you go in as the third party and you're like, here's really the issues. And, and the leaders are going, oh, because I just imagine an employee never being, not saying what they really think in some situations.
1: Yeah, not saying it to the right person. I'll say it in the bathroom or the water cooler, you know, and to To their spouse who who agree or the spouse. But it's, yeah, oh my goodness. Okay, this is so rich. Oh my God, it's so rich this conversation. Um, And your question.
0: It's because of you, not because of me. <laughs>
1: I've, I, I like to say things are co sourced, you know, like you got yeah, good th- listening. If thank good you for things that very are Very passive said, comment.
0: Yeah, very com- passive compliment. <laughs>
1: compliment. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was good. It was good. Yeah. I mean, if, if people say good things in your presence, if you have a lot of brilliant people around you, Joe, it's about your listening.
0: And that's what I try to do. Yeah. Put, yeah. put smarter people around you, right? But your
1: listening brings
0: out. The genius in others. That's that's a key piece of all this, by
1: the way, is the way we listen.
0: I like yeah, it, it. So tell yeah. me about that piece though, the employee mm-hmm. divulging yeah. their fuel. it has to do
1: with the way we listen too, right? So so a couple things. Um, let me come back to listening, possibly if I remember too. Um, mostly people do hire us, right? Because they need to make a big change or there's something, so they're ambitious, they're doing great and they have a big change they understand it's difficult to have people move with them and they 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 really they grasp the the gravity of it and the significance of it and and by the way we're touching almost entirely on culture right now but strategy is a big piece of it and learning how to lead differently is a big piece of it as well right um, but but I like that we're focused on, on culture now. I think it's useful to just stay here. I, I just wanna say that those two pieces go hand in hand.
0: Maybe there's a part two podcast yeah. here, Carrie.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So so with that, um, we usually get hired for that reason, or uh, we we're stuck, we're in an eddy. We know we can get better, but we can't. We don't know how. And 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 generally speaking, those are the situations where you really got to get people divulged. But but oftentimes, there where they think the problem is is not actually where the problem is. And I said earlier the the co sourcing thing. It's what's happening between us. It's always that right. So if I'm coming and I'm listening to you from. And, and I hear this a lot in, in, the, in the work that we do. What's the problem to be solved? What's going to happen, Joe, is you're going to end up telling me your problems, and I'm either going to go to work solving them, therefore abdicating you of the responsibility and power to solve your own problems, or I'm going to listen to you like, what a complainer, or you know, I can't do anything about it anymore. Why does Joe always have a problem? <laughs> Mm -hmm. Right. So there's this, there's this kind of slant in all of our listening, my, the slant, the negative kind of cynical slant, we all have this default way of listening. Mine sounds kind of like I'm busy, hurry up, get to the point.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Which will have you actually fumble over your words, speak really rapidly and try to bottom line something. You're not going to bring nuance to me. Have you We're bugged gonna... my
0: room? Have you bugged my office? <laughs> <laughs> why are you describing me on this podcast? I thought we said we would not do that, Kara.
1: <laughs> oh my god! Right? Yeah. Uh, well, I, yeah. Sometimes I speak and listen at the same time.
0: Yeah. Apparently so.
1: <laughs> but that's what that's what happens. So that's why I know if I'm saying useful things as a function of your listening. So we create, so there's these, there's kind of this, it's the subject of space we start to master, right? And so, and this is that subject of space. So if you're listening and let's just talk about our partners, right? So if we go, the people that we live with, we all kind of have a, a way of listening to them, you know, and, and that way of listening, we think what they're saying is about them, it's it is, but it's co-sourced by the way we listen. So you go out and you practice. Listen for do I agree or disagree, and that happens in academia a lot. Do I agree with this? Do I disagree with yep. this? What's the alternate point of view? Uh, what haven't they thought of? Um, you know, how are they trying to screw me? This is unfair. Unintended uh,
0: consequences.
1: Exactly. What are the unintended consequences? Okay that allows for one kind of conversation, which is why you see the same conversation happening in all the halls. It's a way of listening. So people hire us. They think they're hiring us to say great things and to help them, like tell them what to do. That's not at all what we do. False. Exactly. Exactly. They hire us to listen And, and they don't know they're hiring us to listen. So we're listening from, you know, we're we're listening, what are we listening for? We're listening for um, the underlying condition that's going to have things show up the same way over and over again. Mm. That's at an organizational level. At an individual level, we're listening for their world, their experience, their fundamental cares. You know what's possible in what they're saying. There's very trained. These are all different ways of listening. This is a very trained way of listening, and so, um, so let me go back to the condition. When we come in, we're we're listening for what's the condition, what's the environment in which the results are occurring. For example. Um, People might say there's a lack of transparency around here.
0: Uh Okay.
1: Now, if you hire McKinsey or somebody, that's what you're going to pay them a lot of money and they're going to tell you that. But what they're not going to hear is what's the condition that leads to lack of transparency year after year, even though we all want it to be different and commit to being different. What's that condition? In one college, we found that there was this unspoken question, and we got it in, by listening very deeply: "How will this information get used against me?"
0: Yeah, you ever heard? Uh, and I've heard the, and I've had it happen to me actually, where I've, I personally have been more transparent than anybody could have ever been in the situation I was in in my in some of my previous mm-hmm. roles, and someone would still say it, like. There's not enough transparency. And I go, what do you mean? I've just laid out everything. Yeah. And so much of it is tied up in how you communicate and what you communicate. But sometimes that those statements don't go away, no matter what you do, because they're almost historical.
1: Yes. They're inherited. They're inherited interpretations. And so we Mm -hmm. go to work on that. Okay. So a condition, what's a condition it's, it's, the environment in which results occur. And the environment in which results occur is vital to the kinds of results that can occur. It's akin to the listening, right? So if you're listening for, um what is this you know are you going to take advantage of me what does this have to do with me do I agree do I disagree um hurry up get to the point you're not trying to screw me are you if you're listening for that there's only one kind of conversation you can't speak into that very long Mm -hmm. there the corollary is on the organizational level right so the kind of environment in which your results are occurring is vital to the kind of results that can occur it's like a stick dropped into a river. If you drop a stick in the river, it's gonna go in the, in the direction of the, the river, the drift. It's kind of like a drift, right? Yep. So you throw a new policy into the river, it's gonna go downstream. You throw an invitation to collaborate into the river, it's gonna go downstream. You throw an open and honest conversation into the river, it's gonna go downstream. So you gotta address the condition, you gotta address the, the direction the river's going.
0: Boy, this is a mind-blowing conversation, Carrie. And since we haven't talked about strategy, I would like to have you back for a part two to talk about strategy because that is obviously uh, the missing piece, right? And we talk, we culture is so powerful though, right? And we talk about mm-hmm. culture and the human condition and what affects a culture and what doesn't. Every single person listening to this phone call, I guarantee you, has gone through some level of self-reflection right now. I mean, I, I do want to um, ask you kind of what we well we ask our guests on every episode our final two questions to wrap up. What we'll say is part one here of of uh, culture and strategy with the uh, Granger Network. Number one, what did we not say about the Granger Network that you would like to say? Anything that you have going on events. Speaking engagements, website, you get to plug your company as best you can. And then, secondarily to that, what do you see as the future of higher education? But add the term leadership on the end. What do you see as the future of higher ed leadership?
1: Mm. So, our website, I'll do the easy one first, is grangernetwork.com, G R G-R-A-N-G-E-R, A N G E R, like Honey Granger, not like the Granger farm store. Got it. Grangernetwork.com. And um, I do have a podcast. I have three seasons of a podcast I, I did a couple years ago. It's called The Leadership Impact. And it was done by myself and my co-host, Paul Adams. Wow. Um, that, you know, some of these topics are talked about. So it may be just a bit. It's an easy, free resource. People can, you can dive into further. Awesome. Um, so that, that might be useful. I'd like to say that we are a long time ago, we stopped doing things that were, um, like the stick dropped in the river. So, you know, we're not, we're not, while we do some speaking engagements, you know, we've done a lot of convocation, keynotes, things like that about change, about, um, all sorts of things. Um, And that's a good use of us, but, but really who we look for, you know, we don't want to just do a a one day workshop because it's just not going to make the change. You know, we, who we look for are, are people who want to be strategic partners who, you know, they want us to be their partner over time. You know, they're ready to play pro ball, not recreational or high school ball. They want to play pro ball. They're willing to- Yeah, they're willing to take themselves on. They're willing to look and say, you know what? We're the executives. We're the top. We're the ones who are accountable for this condition. And it starts with us. So they're willing to look inward. They're willing to put in the hard yards and then to truly engage people across the the college, the campus, the institution, what we're- So don't
0: call KG, uh, AKA Carrie Granger, If you're playing JV, you got to be playing. Yeah,
1: exactly. Because it's hard work. It's introspective. It's hard work. It's it's changing patterns. It's seeing like, oh, my God, we created shared governance as a solution to inclusion, but we have no desire to get their opinions. We think they just bog down the decision-making process and that's why it's not working. Oh my God, we just created this whole shared governance model and we haven't clarified voice, vote and veto. Yikes. We got to go back and do it. You know what I mean? Like it's hard work and yep. it's fun working with us. But it's you know it's like really people who are committed to to making the changes and it's usually you know honestly it's it's more it's a couple of years in working together. So it's, it's a it's a partnership. That's the people we look for. Okay. Um, future,
0: future, of higher, edu- future of higher education leadership.
1: You know, one of the, one of the things that I find interesting is Corporate America is interested in military metaphors. Military is often, not always, but often interested in corporate metaphors. Uh, Higher education, again, I don't want to stereotype, but those that we've worked with, um, with the exception of one, has kind of an antibody to business speak. Um, And and that's not true of everybody. I know it's not. But I find that there's kind of um, some tissue rejection.
0: A hundred percent. Yeah. Totally true.
1: And so um, they're missing out because higher education now needs to compete. You have new competitors. I know in the community college space, um, which is different, this is a unique market. Um, first of all, I've been calling it a market. I know it's hard for people to hear, but you're competing with um you're not so much competing with each other. You're, you're competing with the forces that would dissuade students from attending. Um, you know the twenty dollars an hour job. Um, you're, you're competing. Um, you're competing with um, Amazon and Google and, um, and corporate. Um, Walmart has this has you know like go to education within right. I, I believe yeah. don't they. Uh-huh. You know, we just we just got asked we have a, a, a national restaurant brand that couldn't get the education and the training that they need. They hired us to create a university for them. But if hire if the community colleges around them were paying attention and they were competing, like in in they have to learn how to be more entrepreneurial and learn how to sell and create relevant offers for their um. Uh, potential students, clients, customers, maybe who their clients are, are different. You know, they're now competing in a way. Why are we getting the contract to develop a university
0: when they're a university?
1: Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, good for you, shame on whoever, right?
1: Yeah, because they're not nimble enough. They're not paying attention to the market, but they have to compete in the market because there have been new market entrants that are offering relevancy, customization, um, timeliness, you you know, different costs. So so I believe that higher education has to um, relax their uh, shields in a way to to say, okay, what, what is this tissue rejection really about? You know, we want to preserve a certain academic freedom and, and get down to that fundamental care. So how do you have that and compete in the marketplace so that you're alive, you know, so that, that you survive, that you're around? So before, you know, the threat that there wasn't really an existential threat to higher education, there was to businesses or so a certain urgency about change. There's now an existential threat which means that they've got to compete differently. And that goes into our strategy conversation, which perhaps is part two.
0: Wow. Well, I will tell you what, uh, you are so right on. I couldn't have said it better myself with higher ed's shield when it comes to business language, like sales and product and service and so on. Um, Speaking of, of great business and a great person, I'd like to just give a shout out to the executive director of the Alliance for Innovation and Transformation, Erica Leodis, who introduced Carrie and I. And uh, AFED, of course, is doing great, great work with their member institutions to bring transformation into education in a more rapid fashion. And so, shout out to Erica for bringing uh, Carrie to me and getting us, hopefully, two parts of what I would say is one of my favorite all time conversations on this podcast because of the depth and the necessity uh, and the lack of focus sometimes that we put on understanding the human condition when it comes to change and transition Carrie, you've put an incredible spotlight on it thank you and how was your AdUp experience today did you have a good time at least
1: oh my god i had a great time thank you and can i give a shout out to afid as well of course The, the alliance for innovation and transformation um i wouldn't have been in the higher education space much um, if I hadn't been asked to do to do a keynote there. And from there, I got about four years ago, really introduced and had to really learn higher education in a way that I, I hadn't before. And and so I've been back there. And I just wanna, I wanna say a couple of things because of what you said. Um, they bring in thought leaders and organizations outside of higher education. So you get exposed to different, you get exposed to different ideas, which is really what's needed, right? Like like popping that insular bubble. They, yep. They're an association that does that. They also, what I love about them is they create a team learning environment. So you don't just go to their summits and their conferences by yourself, which rarely, it, then it puts all the burden on you, right? The, the CEOs and presidents, they bring their teams. And so then that supports a cultural shift because you're all in it together, right? And then there's this huge network of, okay, there's is competing as your own um, institution, but then also learning from each other. So I just wanna say that the things that we talked about today, um, you know, AFIT really provides for their members some relevancy to what we're talking about.
0: Yeah, and their summer session is coming up, uh, AFIT summer session in in Nashville, the 21st, 22nd and 23rd of July. Uh, If you're a learning partner, or you're a member at institution, you get to go and exchange ideas. And I know uh, actually last year I was able to talk and do some episodes remotely with some of the learning partners and, and um, uh, the insights coming out of there are the innovative insights that higher ed needs to hear and act upon in order to get better. One person that gets better every time she speaks is my guest today. Her name is Carrie Granger and she's CEO of the Granger Network. Carrie, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks so much, Joe. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just ed-upped. The Alliance for Innovation and Transformation is an alliance of pacesetters, forward-thinking higher education CEOs committed to leading by example to show other higher education institutions how to innovate and transform their organizations in the face of unprecedented challenge and change. They offer learning, development, and networking opportunities focused on customer-driven value, innovation, transformation skills, and techniques, and approaches to help colleges and other organizations achieve the long-term sustainability necessary for their survival. AFithighered.com is where you can check them out. Afithighered.com.